This is a story about control. It's a story about consciousness and belief. This is a story about why we think about the things that we do, about how we control our thoughts, and how those thoughts can control us. This is a story about conspiracy theories, but it's also a story about an emerging field of science that we're just now beginning to understand. It's a story about the blending of technology and biology, and just how far people in power will go to control that technology and information about it. It's the story about the mysterious death of a journalist and the lengths governments will go to push the boundaries of spycraft. This is a story about real-life secret intelligence programs, the future of weaponry and warfare, and the power of misinformation. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm a writer, a journalist, and a podcaster. And this is Hiding Something, Season 2, Ultra, an Ironclad original series. Chapter 1. Bluebeam. In 1996, a Canadian investigative journalist named Serge Manast was forced to spend a night in jail after refusing to enroll his children into public schools. Manast had a deep distrust of government institutions and, fearing indoctrination, said he wanted to instead homeschool his two young children. It was this defiance of local laws regarding school attendance that reportedly led to the arrest. Now, he was released from jail the next day, though within hours, Serge Manast was dead. Reports suggest that he suffered a heart attack, but for reasons we'll soon explain, some people have doubts about just how quote-unquote natural the causes of his death actually were. As his current-day defenders are quick to point out, Manass was generally in good health at the time of his death, and he was only 51 years old when he died. Manass was also extremely afraid of what authorities were capable of when it comes to suppressing information they were threatened by. In fact, he made a career out of unpacking those fears, and developed a reasonably large following thanks to his writings and appearances on French-language TV shows. His untimely death is a sad story, but not one that would generally garner serious media attention, especially more than two decades later. A middle-aged conspiracy writer suffering a medical crisis after running afoul of the law isn't typically the type of story that would really raise any red flags. However, it's not the circumstances of his death that made Serge Manasse so interesting. It's what he dedicated his life's work to that's made him a somewhat notorious figure in the world of conspiracy theories. Manasse was obsessed with an idea that he called Project Bluebeam, a far-reaching conspiracy theory that he claimed would usher in a sinister one-world government that would abolish all major religions and assert complete control over the population. But it's not the outcome of his theory that makes it so unique. After all, dating all the way back to the New Testament, fears about a one-world government targeting religious communities and controlling society have been prevalent. A devious new world order is at the core of a ton of conspiracy fears. What makes his ideas so infamous is the means he says that authorities would use to take over. Now, I'm going to break down the crux of his theories, but I want to set some context first. This season's going to take some interesting turns, and we're going to spend some time connecting a lot of dots related to some pretty far-out-there theories like Bluebeam, as well as real-world technologies, and some terrifying real-life events that intelligence officials never wanted you to know about. In his writings before his death, Manasse outlined what he said was a four-stage strategy that would be orchestrated by NASA and the UN to essentially take over the world. Their goal would be to use increasingly sophisticated mind control methods to make communities around the world disavow their own religions and ideologies and instead embrace the New World Order's rule. 
First, he writes that officials would cause earthquakes in strategic places across the globe that would be so intense that in their aftermath, ancient artifacts would be uncovered that would cause scholars to call major religious doctrines and histories into question. Okay, human-manufactured earthquakes and counterfeit religious artifacts might seem like a little far-fetched, but they're just the precursor to the next phase, where things start to get really crazy. The next phase features a massive show in the sky in which a new quote-unquote god would appear to mankind. Manass wrote that this quote, gigantic space show, would use quote, space-based laser-generating satellites to create hyper-realistic holograms in the sky, along with auditory sensations that would quote, replicate local languages and dialects depending on the location. The holograms would show deities from all of the world's major religions merging into one, uniting mankind behind a single religion and a single new godlike figure. Manass wrote this about blue beam technology, quote, in principle, it would make use of the skies as a movie screen. Now look, if that plan sounds a little familiar, it's because it's essentially a plot point that's been featured in sci-fi stories before. I have many names, my pale friend. I am Mendora in the Berusian cluster, Torak to the Drellians. The Klingons call me Feklar. You are not Feklar. <laughs> ah, but I am. I am the guardian of Great Thor, where the dishonored go when they die. That's a clip from a Star Trek The Next Generation episode called The Devil's Do, where the villain uses an illusion to trick populations into believing that she's actually an all-powerful deity. It's also essentially how the character Mysterio is able to conjure up elemental monsters in Spider-Man Far From Home, except in that case, instead of satellites, he uses a swarm of drones. Sure, Manas' theory seems very unlikely, but technically, it all seems at least somewhat plausible. However, in the next phase, things take an even darker turn. Manas wrote that then, the UN and NASA would use beams of inaudible sound waves to inject voices directly into people's minds with the goal of, quote, convincing each of them that their own God is speaking to them from the very depths of their own soul, end quote. The mind control beams would be so convincing, Manas claims, because the satellites beaming them would have access to secret databases of information on almost everyone on Earth. He wrote, Rays from satellites are fed from the memories of computers that have stored massive data about every human on Earth and their languages. The rays will then interlace with their natural thinking to form what we will call diffuse artificial thought, end quote. Essentially, these government-controlled satellites would have access to your search history, Facebook usage, and all the stuff you've done online, and they would use that data to know exactly how to manipulate your own thoughts and speak to you. You would think that being able to beam voices and thoughts directly into people's heads would be enough for NASA and the UN, but all of this is just setting the stage for the final step in their devious world domination plan. Using holograms, they would then stage an alien invasion, as well as possibly an end-time-style rapture, employing tractor beams to carry people away. According to Manast, nations would also be tricked into using their nuclear weapons on the aliens. With the world's population shaken by the series of revelations, they would then reject any past loyalties and embrace a totalitarian New World Order. Now, there's one more element to Project Bluebeam that's frankly the most unsettling, but it's also the easiest to dismiss. Manas writes that, quote, waves used during the fourth step will allow, quote, supernatural forces to travel through optical fibers, coaxial cables, electrical and phone lines in order to penetrate to everyone at once through major appliances, end quote. That line is pretty confusing because it's unclear what he means by, quote, supernatural forces. 
Most of his writings about Project Bluebeam cite actual technologies, though, look, clearly not advanced enough to pull off a laser show in space so realistic that they would fool people into denouncing their faiths, but they were science-based mid-90s innovations. He wrote about the military's use of what's known as extremely low frequencies, or quote, ELF waves. ELF is an acronym for extremely low frequency. He also wrote about research into microwave auditory effects and actual CIA mind control programs. Ironically and cryptically, he notes that, quote, it is technically feasible to produce heart attacks with rays designed to penetrate the human chest, end quote. This ray gun weapon could theoretically murder people and make it look like they died of a heart attack. Again, not long after pinning this manifesto, Serge Manasse himself died of a heart attack. Bluebeam is admittedly a pretty far out there idea. It's a conspiracy so vast in scale, with so many things that could go wrong for it to fail, that it's kind of hard to take it seriously. But for a minute, let's set aside all of that New World Order stuff. Like a lot of conspiracy theorists, Manasse was also obsessed with monastic orders, end-time prophecies, and sinister secret societies. We could spend a lot of time debunking a lot of those types of conspiracy theories and many of their deeply problematic origins, but for a few minutes, let's focus on the really scary part of his ideas concerning Project Bluebeam's primary technological mechanism, using technology to control people's minds. Manasse does ground his ideas in actual science, and like many popular conspiracy theories, it's his combination of actual facts alongside the sinister and completely unverifiable that gives it at least the facade of credibility, and has led to his work finding a new life online more than two decades after his death. And some of the facts he does reference in the writing, they're actually more terrifying than any of the fiction that might be interlaced with it. This season, we're going to investigate a new series of mysteries. How far have powerful institutions gone in their quest for actual mind control technology? Are we being subjected to thought-altering efforts without our consent or even knowledge? Whether through low-frequency waves, implantable devices, strange mental techniques, or even through chemicals, what are the capabilities of quote-unquote mind-control innovations, and who just might be hiding something? All right, welcome to the Neuralink product demo. I'm really excited to show you what we've got. I think it's going to blow your mind. That's Elon Musk, who, along with running companies like Tesla and SpaceX, is also the billionaire behind a new initiative called Neuralink, whose stated mission is to build, quote, ultra-high bandwidth brain-machine interfaces to connect humans and computers, end quote. All of your senses, your sight, hearing, feeling, um, pain, uh, these are all electrical signals sent by neurons to your brain. And if you can uh, correct these signals... You can solve everything from memory loss, memory loss, hearing loss, blindness, paralysis, depression, insomnia, extreme pain, seizures, anxiety, addiction, strokes, brain damage. These can be These can all be solved with an implantable uh, neural link. This is uh, an extremely fundamental thing, and I think a lot of people don't quite understand that. Um, the neurons are like wiring. Um, and you kind of need an electronic thing to solve an electronic problem. As he explains in this press conference streamed by CNET, essentially, they're creating an implantable device that uses electronic signals to manipulate brain functions. The technology's abilities have profound medical implications and could offer treatments to conditions ranging from blindness to anxiety. But even Musk concedes that, theoretically, it could do some of the things that Manasse said secret technologies could do to essentially plant thoughts and sounds right into somebody's head. 
In fact, one of the touted capabilities of Neuralink is the ability to play music directly in your mind, bypassing your ears, meaning that you're not actually hearing anything. The music goes directly into your brain. Essentially, it's the same sort of functionality that Manas said would be used to trick people into thinking that they were hearing from God himself. Now look, I'm not suggesting that Musk has anything sinister planned with Neuralink. In fact, the technology could alleviate significant suffering. But, dating back to the discovery of fire, innovations have been weaponized. It's not unfair to ask what the implications of some sort of Neuralink-style weapon could be. Imagine a CSI investigation, this famous TV program, where the investigators don't have the murder weapon, don't have the place, don't have access to the victims. How the hell you investigate that? It's impossible. That's the voice of former Cuban diplomat Carlos Alzugre from a 2018 YouTube documentary produced by the New York Times. The subject of the film is a strange series of events that transpired in 2016. Though the story was quickly overshadowed by, well, <laughs> pretty much everything that has happened in the four years since, at that time, it made international headlines. And it's a scary story. But perhaps the scariest part is that ultimately, it's still a mystery. Here's what we know. Diplomatic personnel from the United States and Canada who were stationed in Havana started experiencing a strange series of medical issues. Some experienced sudden hearing loss. Others became nauseous and physically ill. Others developed serious headaches, lost memories, and experienced the kind of mental stupor one might suffer after a brain injury. In a statement to reporters following medical evaluations of the victims, the State Department's medical director said this, the patterns of injuries were most likely related to trauma from a non-natural source. The cause of the injuries is still a mystery, and there's a ton of debate about what that cause could possibly be. Everything from some sort of exposure to a gas to suggestions that they were actually a case of mass hysteria. But some in the intelligence community believe that they were caused by some sort of strange weapon. And there's a reason why it's been so difficult to figure out all these years later. The circumstances surrounding the injuries are just baffling. The victims all reported hearing a strange sound that had no point of origin. They described an odd mechanical sound that would just sort of appear and surround them. Some would experience it in their homes, others were in their hotel rooms, or somewhere in their office. But one of the victims was actually able to capture the odd sound and provided recordings to the Associated Press. Here's a clip from their report. Americans who heard these sounds in Havana have described slightly different sounds, and even in some of the recordings that the AP has reviewed, there are slight variations. However, this high-pitched cricket sound seems to appear in all of them. The U.S. Embassy in Havana has played these recordings for Americans who are working there so they know what to listen to. These recordings have also been reviewed by people who heard the sounds firsthand in Cuba, and they confirm that the recordings are generally consistent with what they heard. We still don't know what is causing the sound, and the recordings don't appear to have significantly furthered the investigation. The author of a peer-reviewed study of the injuries that appeared in the Journal of the American Medical Association considers, quote, microwave weapons to be a possible cause. But if that is the case, that's not a weapon we've ever seen before. Interestingly, not long after the attacks, other U.S. diplomats in China, as well as CIA agents working to uncover covert Russian activities, suffered similar injuries. Though the strange injuries sparked investigations by legacy journalism outlets including the New York Post, Vanity Fair, and the New York Times, ultimately, they've all been inconclusive beyond a single point. Whatever happened, 
is really scary. Though there have been a number of interesting reports about what's become known as Havana Syndrome, there was a few lines in a New York Times piece called, quote, microwave weapons are prime suspect in ills of U.S. embassy workers that jumped out in a frankly eerie way and reveals a rabbit hole we'll be taking a deep dive down throughout the season. Here's how the article opened. During the Cold War, Washington feared Moscow was seeking to turn microwave radiation into covert weapons of mind control. More recently, the American military itself sought to develop microwave arms that could invisibly beam painfully loud booms and even spoken words into people's heads. The aims were to disable attackers and wage psychological warfare. Again, those are quotes from an actual New York Times piece. But even when the CIA's work into unlocking the hidden potential of mind control warfare wasn't as sinister, it was still pretty unsettling. Just for some deeper context, though, back in the early 70s, Americans learned of what's become known as the Moscow Signal. It was a strange microwave transmission that had been aimed at the U.S.'s embassy in Moscow. The revelation sparked a small panic stateside, culminating in the release of the 1977 book The Zapping of America, Microwaves, Their Deadly Risk, and The (laughs) Cover-Up. What a title, but here's what the text on the cover of the book reads. If you thought the title was dramatic, here's what it says on the cover. Microwave radiation can blind you, alter your behavior, cause genetic damage, even kill you. The risks have been hidden from you by the Pentagon, the State Department, and the electronics industry. With this book, the microwave cover-up has ended. You've probably never heard of the book, and that's probably for a pretty good reason. But at the time, its author, a journalist named Paul Brodeur, was a pretty big deal. In fact, an article he wrote that would lead to the publication of the book is even referenced in the film American Hustle, which takes place in the late 70s. you not to put metal in the science oven. What do you do that for? Don't make such a big deal. Just get another one. I don't want another one. I want the one that Carmine gave me. Oh, Carmine. I want the one that Carmine gave me. Carmine, Carmine. Why don't you just marry Carmine? Get a little gold microwave and put it on a chain around your neck. You want to be more like Carmine? Why don't you build something like he does? Instead of all your empty deals, it's just like your science oven. You know, I read that it takes all of the nutrition out of our food. It's empty, just like your deals. Empty, empty. That's Jennifer Lawrence explaining to Christian Bale why blowing up his new microwave might not be such a bad thing. Brodeur had written a sort of viral article claiming that microwaves affected the nutritional capacities of food. If you own a microwave, you'll know that most of Brodeur's concerns have proved to be unfounded. But just because he was wrong about ovens doesn't mean that microwaves weren't being weaponized for a strange new kind of warfare. Though Serge Manasse's Project Bluebeam conspiracy theory is pretty far out there, as the timepiece alludes, the technology at the base of it may already exist. And as for the government's willingness to attempt truly horrifying mind control experiments, well, a brief history of the CIA reveals that there's almost no line they wouldn't cross. In the 1950s, the intelligence agency recruited a controversial British psychiatrist named Dr. Donald U. Cameron, who would go on to conduct a series of strange experiments that would push the boundaries of what we understand about consciousness, the human mind, and seemingly supernatural abilities. The surviving victims of the experiments have gone on to tell some really chilling stories. Here's a clip from the 1980 Canadian documentary series, The Fifth Estate. They kept you asleep for 23 days. And while I was asleep, they were shocking the heck out of me with electric shocks. The CIA was interested in in Dr. Cameron's work on psychic driving because it could give them an idea of where the personality could break or be stressed. 
uh, those of us who were involved with trying to find out something about brainwashing, yes, this is, uh, that, this is the reason that we were interested in Dr. Cameron's work. Dr. Cameron's work was the basis for a secretive and at times truly horrific series of secret operations meant to teach intelligence officials about the secrets of mind control technology. The operation was coded MKUltra. We're going to talk about MKUltra a lot in coming episodes. My talents, skills, or powers, call it whatever, um, I was tested by the CIA, and they just released this, the beginning of this year, they released all the secret documents of the tests they conducted on me. So I'm now extensively uh, on the CIA's official website. When they saw that I could remote view or I could do um, uh, activate telepathy, I was instilled into Mexico City for um, a few missions. One of them was to spy on the Russian embassy in Mexico City. That's a man named Yuri Geller in an interview with Good Morning Britain back in 2017. On screen, he's identified as a, quote, paranormalist. Weeks before the interview, the CIA had officially declassified documents that outlined their work with another secretive program that they called Project Stargate. Though it's now officially defunct, the documents reveal the agency's long-running efforts to use things like telepathy and remote viewing during spy operations. Geller, a former Israeli paratrooper, was brought to the Stanford Research Institute in the summer of 1973 by the United States Defense Intelligence Agency to help conduct a series of experiments that officials hoped would unlock the secret of psychic warfare. Though ultimately the results were mixed, some of what was revealed in the once-classified documents are pretty confounding. In an effort to get to the bottom of what's known as remote viewing, Stanford set up an interesting experiment. Here's how it worked. Geller was placed in an isolated room and was given a pen and a piece of paper. At another location, sometimes as far as a half mile away, another person was asked to draw something on their own piece of paper based on a word randomly selected from the dictionary. The volunteer agents would write the name of the word, then draw their interpretation of it. Still isolated in his own room, Geller was asked to use his strange abilities to remotely view the piece of paper in the other room and draw what he saw. Remember, that's without knowing what the word selected was or what the agent's drawings looked like. He was simply tasked with drawing what he saw in his mind. In one occasion, an agent drew a picture of a bunch of grapes still on their stem. Geller drew a nearly identical picture of grapes in his room. And both images had exactly 24 grapes. In another test, the CIA produced a simple line drawing of a kite. It was a diamond shape with a cross through the middle. In his own isolated room, Geller drew a diamond shape with a cross through the middle. When the word fuse was chosen by the agents, the agents drew a stick of dynamite. Geller, still isolated in his room, said he saw a, quote, cylinder with noise coming out of it. When the agents drew a solar system, Geller drew a picture of planets, the sun, and a rocket ship in flight. The same thing happened when they selected the word dove. The drawings were nearly identical. Remember, he's in a completely separate room and has no knowledge of the words selected each time or what the agent's drawings look like. But perhaps the eeriest of the tests was when the agent selected the word devil. Though his drawing didn't look like the agent's, who drew a cartoonish-looking devil featuring a spiky tail holding a trident, he did produce something that the CIA calls, quote, a social material triggered by the target. He drew an image of the Ten Commandments, a worm and an apple, and other biblically-inspired imagery. So, what happened to Project Stargate? What does the CIA actually know about mind-control technology? 
Well, we're going to get to those questions, but first, there's something you should probably know about Yuri Geller. That's next time on Hiding Something. Hiding Something is an Ironclad original series. All episodes are written by me, Jesse Carey. Our post-production producer is Chandler Strang. Hey, if you like the show, be sure to leave us a rating and review. We really, really appreciate it. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time.